Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm John McEnroe. I'm Bjorn Borg. This is Martina Navratilova. I'm Mats Wilander. I'm Stan Wawrinka. I'm Leighton Hewitt. I'm Andy Murray. G'day, I'm Andrew Phillips, and you're listening to The Tennis Podcast. So the voice of Andrew Phillips, our Australian listener. We've got a few of them, but he's one of the Kickstarter backers who've enabled us to keep the tennis podcast going in 2019. So thank you, Andrew, for lending your voice to us to help us introduce the show, which comes to you today from Westminster in London. And uh, Catherine Whitaker and Grad Matt are here. Um, we are ready to talk tennis because that's what the tennis podcast has been for the last nearly seven years. I was working out 516 episodes in which we've covered 10 of the 15 Grand Slams won by Novak Djokovic. We've covered Andy Murray becoming world number one, winning Olympic gold twice. I mean, these are generational levels of years, Catherine Whitaker. Uh, I mean, I ha- I'm getting old before our listeners. Yeah, it has been tennis heavy. You are right. It's been a tennis heavy seven years, um, as advertised. Um, Thank God. You're trying to make me feel old. Well, Is that what you're doing? Uh, you have gone from your 20s to your 30s in that time. <laughs> yeah, this will be you in a few years, Matt. Uh, how old were you when the tennis podcast started, Matt? May 2012. Yes. I would have been... Um, quick bit of maths. I would have been 16. 16. So I've gone from my teens to my 20s. Right. How does that make you feel, David? I I feel (laughs) very old. (laughs) Still just as old. Um, And we have so much more tennis to talk to you about this week because Miami is a week old. uh, And it's, again, one of those funny old weeks, isn't it? When you kind of think, well what has happened and what is still to come because it's not the start of the tournament it's halfway through um, but loads has happened and most of it again involves Bianca Andreescu (laughs) yeah it feels like yeah that's really true actually isn't it I mean I'm not sure after winning Indian Wells what I mean what would sort of your standard odds be on a an Indian Wells winner going on to do the sunshine double as they now call it I'm sure the sun, the term sunshine double has only existed for the last year or so but people talk like everyone's always called it well speaking of age David did they call it that 20 years ago uh Yes, I, th- I, th- I, th- I think that's a more of a recent thing, actually, um, is, is my recollection. Because my r- recollection of this tournament is that it was called Key Biscayne or the Lipton 
because it used to be sponsored by Lipton Iced Tea. Um, and that was the one that everybody talked about and Indian Wells was just felt like the kind of warm up to that by comparison well, that's in, changed in, I am I, old enough to remember when Miami branded itself as the fifth Grand Slam and those days feel a long time ago now now they're branding themselves as the new US Open is that, if, yeah. is that coming from them? that is an actual quote from a, a, a big wig at IMG right yeah so They've not Could achieved that. Could I start that. a tournament in my back garden and call it the new Wimbledon? <laughs> I think you could try, but I don't... But I mean, like, you've got to be able to substantiate it somehow. No, you haven't. <laughs> Clearly not. <laughs> right, Although, okay. perhaps... That's where I'm going wrong, right. Probably Have you got Miami. a parking lot? <laughs> Miami is closer, I would say, to the US yeah. Open than your back garden is to Wimbledon. But, like, what's the basis for... What, what is the basis for that? Well... Uh, they, I mean, it, it's on for, hard courts, it's anybody, in America. For anybody who hasn't followed the story of uh, Miami's relocation, the Miami Open has relocated from Key Biscayne, where it was at Crandon Park for 20-plus years, and it has gone quite a long way north, away from Key Biscayne, and is now at the home of the Miami Dolphins, um, where they have a 13,800-seat Stadium inside the Miami Dolphins Arena, which holds 65,000 people. I think you mean Hard Rock Stadium. The Hard Rock Stadium, yeah. Yeah. Hard Rock, pay us. We've said your name. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, all right, don't. Um, But yeah, it's... It's a massive feat that they have accomplished here just logistically to get this tournament played in the first year. They've used the enormous uh, car park acreage that they have to build what they've dis- described as a tennis campus, all the outside courts, dozens of those, and, and the, the VIP areas and all that sort of thing. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's impressive. I think feel-wise it still takes I would say a little bit of getting used to certainly from a centre court perspective mm. because it has a different feel to what Crandon Park had yeah I mean my experience of, of uh, watching it on the TV I'm not there Prime will be covering it um, in the studio uh, here in London from quarterfinals onwards um, is I think similar from what I'm hearing from those on site and there are quite a lot of, but Prime have got their commentators on site BT have a presence on site there's quite a lot it's more British journos that tend to go to Miami than, than Indian Wells for various different reasons um, which is that the I think the outside I, th- I think it looks really good I like the colour scheme Matt and I were just discussing that in detail sort of a light blue and yes, Piotr was explaining to me that there are two kinds of blue mm. and they have official names and I can't remember what they are they, they look really good on TV um, the outside courts look great I think it's quite cool for them to increase the, the amount of seating on those because there's a lot of atmosphere I don't like I'm not that sold on the centre court mm. um, as it stands at the moment I think that it's too obviously a stadium within a stadium you can see the this killed seats um, from the from the unused portion of the Hard Rock Stadium, and it feels too the crowd feels too distant. It has a slightly Madrid Kaya Magica centre court vibe to it, which is that even when it's full, it doesn't feel full, doesn't feel atmospheric. Maybe it feels better when you're in there on the court. Uh, it, by the looks of things, they're getting really good crowds, but that centre court just doesn't feel full with atmosphere to me. And and certainly we've seen quite a lot. Of top players looking quite grouchy on that centre court now that maybe that you know 
most of the top players have been around a long time and they don't tend to love change too no. much, do they? Remember Blue so, Clay? Well, exactly. <laughs> so it could all be fabulous and they still would be grouchy about it. But I think Federer is grouchy about the amount of grit they've put in the court surface. There's quite a lot of consternation about that. Novak Djokovic hasn't played particularly well so far. Um, yeah, what's your impression, Matt? Well, also, I thought Federer said something quite interesting about how you... You didn't say it in these terms, but what I read into it was basically the players having to make a kind of sensory adjustment playing on the centre court because it's so different to all other main tennis stadiums because the colour's different, as we've said. You've got the stands, which are so high on one side. You know, you almost feel like you need a telescope at the top to actually see what's going on. And then he's talked about this noise, it's like a humming that you've got from it being inside a stadium, which you kind of get in indoor tennis, but less so outdoors. He said you don't. He, he said you never get that silence. There's this constant hu- sort of humming, buzzing almost. And I think the players are really having to adjust to that as and, well. And Djokovic said it's it's it, 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 all sunlight is gone from the the main stadium court at one p.m. in the afternoon. So he said it feels like an, an indoor feels like an indoor court basically. So I mean, none of those things are necessarily bad. Um, and there's, there's no doubt that the the Kibis game tournament it had fallen out of favour in in all the ways, hadn't it? With the players, with the the journalists, and there was so much pressure on it from Indian Wells that I think it's good that they've done something radical and to, they, to reinvent they it. They couldn't expand no. the operation at Crenham Park anymore. They tried. They, they they tried to get the permission to do so to invest in it. The family that owns the the land just didn't want the sort of expansion that that they were demanding. Um, and it also felt pretty old and tired. I, I first went to Crandon Park in 1999. You know, it's a, it's, it's a while ago. Um, and it, it felt really cool and it's still new back then. And I remember feeling it was a similar sort of time to when I went to my first US Open. And it felt like a mini US Open at that time. When I went back there 10 years later, it didn't really feel like that anymore for some reason it just felt a bit shabby it needed it needed an upgrade well now david it's the new usa <laughs> yeah i, th- I thought it's back <laughs> <laughs> i thought actually by contradicting himself nick kirios summed it up quite well because he he put on twitter i low-key miss crandon park and then he went on the tennis channel and said oh this is a massive upgrade <laughs> and it's kind of those two things that you can you can kind of almost feel nostalgic about not having not being at crandon park anymore but at the same time appreciate the need yeah. to move on yeah. and it be a better bigger place um, and by all accounts it's a massive site and they've got much more room and there's parking on site for all the fans and that sort of thing although apparently it's a bit of a rip off but um, <laughs> the, the parking or the tickets the parking uh, yeah um, 40 dollars I read um but you know, it's new, those two new things. New feature: parking costs at all major <laughs> tennis events compared here, here on the tennis podcast. That child not happy. <laughs> no. um, Forty dollars yeah. a day. Mm. Well, apparently they apparently they advertise it as thirty-five, parking? and then there's a five added service fee or something. You know. Oh. Right. Okay. Right. Okay. I so. said it was tennis heavy. This podcast hasn't yeah, been sorry. very tennis heavy. <laughs> but, I mean, all good stuff, man. <laughs> Setting the scene. Great content. Car parking uh, info uh, provided as well as the tennis. So, yeah, I said at the outset that 
most of it has circled around Bianca Andreescu, who came in as the champion of Indian Wells and promptly in her first round went to set and 5-1 down against Serena Camellia Begu. So how is she still here, for a start? I mean, that is extraordinary. Well, well, to finish the the point that I was fudgingly trying to make and helpfully led on to a a whole different discussion topic... Would would there ever have been as low odds as a week ago on somebody winning an Indian Wells champion going on to do the Sunshine Double? Alina Vesnina. I didn't have particularly high hopes for Dominic (laughs) Team. And they were founded. (laughs) Would they have been as low as Bianca Andreescu? Similar. My my biggest worry with Andreescu is that she looked physically kind of spent at yeah, the end of Indian she was Wells. Cramping. She was, she was cramping in the semis and then she was getting the treatment on the shoulder in the finals, but wasn't she? I right, had no yeah. concern over her level of tennis, but I thought... And, and because also they did the draw, mentally, surely everyone was expecting a, a letdown. And because they did the draw while Indian Wells was still going on, she wasn't seeded. That didn't go down well with you, did it? I was it? really annoyed about that. They were doing the draw in the middle of the Indian Wells final. I don't understand that. Yeah, either. surely from a PR perspective, Just that is a foot shooting. An emphatic own goal. Yeah, I, don't, um, I feel like the US Open wouldn't do that. No, no. <laughs> and if you're going to call yourself the new US Open. <laughs> yeah. Um, from there, I agree with you. I mean, she looked, she was on fumes. I mean, I was even reading people saying, well, why has she been allowed to take to the court if she just can't get around it? Um, and yet she managed to come back and win that match against Serena Camellia Begu. Then she beat Sophia Kenin, which, you know, that is a good result. Mm-hmm. Uh, she beat her, I think, in straight sets. And then we had the third round match, repeat of the Indian Wells final against Angelique Kerber in the dead of the night. I know this because I was commentating and in, in, in American time, it was... Uh, after 1am in my time it was after 5am um, such a shame it was so late yes however like local, I mean obviously here but it was always going to be late to some extent here but for that to be on court 1am with barely anyone watching and, and the sad thing is that I'm probably only going to briefly touch on just how brilliant Andreescu was again uh, in, because there's aggro to talk about because we've got aggro to discuss but let's just get the tennis out of the way first quickly uh Brilliant forehands, brilliant backhands, (laughs) lots of variety. Right, now, the handshake. Um, In the second set, Angelique Kerber was becoming increasingly aggravated. You could could tell that she just wasn't happy with the way it was going. Um, She... I thought she was nearly tanking at the start of the second set. Um, She was sort of hitting these bailout type of forehands, not really committing to rallies, but hitting enough winners just to at least still stay in the match and then suddenly she dug in Andrescu I don't know whether she got nervous or just tired but Kerber won five games in a row third set this cafe was really quiet when we sat down <laughs> well created a commotion the Angelique Kerber fans amongst <laughs> us are not happy at the uh, conversation point um, and where it's going Third set, Andrescu knuckled down again and just took her apart. I mean, it was it was amazing to watch the tennis she produced. Um, but the handshake, she came to the net. I didn't realise at the time exactly what she'd said. And what she'd said was, you're the biggest drama queen ever in the direction of Andrescu, who had had a medical timeout. She'd had treatments between games, but... After I heard this, I really was searching in my mind for things that I could attribute that comment to. What, why has she said that? Has, has she behaved in a way that is warranting that? Nothing had really struck me. 
that Andreescu had done wrong, to be quite honest. Um, at the same time, you know, the, the look on Kerber's face, she was so irritable, so angry. And I've seen this before, you know, when she loses tight matches, she can, her handshakes can be no-look handshakes, you know, and... Um, She's not a good loser, let's be honest. She's not. In the immediate aftermath, she is the she's sorest loser. She's a better loser. loser on Twitter than she is uh, <laughs> on the court. Yes, well, when she'd... Uh, somebody very uh, adeptly put, I, I much prefer shady 1am 1, 1 Angie Kerber after a loss than I do PR version at 11.30am the next day. Great great fight out there. Tough tough loss, but great fight. That is not what you said on the court. No, and Nick Kyrgios... <laughs> We, we, we rely on Nick to come out and reply, uh, you just said on court that she is the biggest drama queen ever, and now this. Um, so anyway, what, what was your take of what you saw and, uh, and the subsequent reaction? Because it went mental on well, Twitter. I mean, the main thing is I thought it was really funny. Um, yeah. And interesting, and I like that. I just wish she'd owned it. Yeah. You know, just, yeah, okay, she clearly doesn't like Andreescu that's fine yeah like, she's, she's a you know annoying little teenager that's come along and beaten her twice in the space of a week yeah I would probably be a bit of a sore loser yeah own it and go oh yeah I, I agree yeah own it <laughs> own it Angie um and the thing is with I just feel like there's actually so little of this kind of you know, for want of a better word, aggro in tennis. That there's these, no better word. Matt. Sorry, yeah. That these. What have I done? <laughs> these small moments get magnified. Like, it's not. It's not. Maybe it's not great to. You know, it's, it's nice if you show a bit more respect. But in, in a grand scheme of things, it's not a huge deal. Nice doesn't sell, does it? Exactly. We don't want to. We've had too much nice in tennis in recent years. And people sort of. You know, they, they, these these moments, these little moments spiral out of control and people go, like, crazy about them. But, you know, it's just a bit of fun, really. Um, yeah, so it's, it's nice to have some aggro that is just completely harmless, yeah. funny, fun aggro. You know, there's no, there's no political debate or moral debate, you know, a la post-US Open final, nothing like that. It's just... Oh, that was interesting. That was and fun. D- don't you feel it, again, shows just how good Andreescu must be to be 18? I imagine this I'm is... I'm blown a, away. I imagine this is a little bit how people felt when Boris Becker came along. I, I, I know that's maybe... That's a big statement. Maybe she's not as good as Boris Becker. I, I personally think she could be. Um, but the way she's just upset the apple cart, the, the, the status quo out there and just come in and bowled in and thought nothing of beating everybody. And obviously she's younger, but there are comparisons for me with Danielle Collins as well. You know, these these young women coming along and not being afraid to get in people's faces and want it and, and be competitive. And, and I think that's fantastic. And I do think it's it's quite liberating to see women being like that because I think there are certain expectations of women, you know, I think we had a had a sports minister in this country a few years ago not that long ago at all say that competitiveness wasn't isn't very feminine you know we need to try and sell sport to young girls in a way that avoids the competitive element makes it sort of fun and glittery and no competitiveness is every bit as as feminine equality as it is masculine and 
and I, I just love it. I love that they're completely in, in your face and yeah, she loves it. Yeah, prepared to do anything to win, and you know they're they're gritty and gnarly and cool. I love what, it. What I would, what I do think with Andrescu that's different to someone like Collins is that Andrescu backs it up to the point where. Oh, she's, do, a, she's it, a better player than Daniel you, There's Collins. nothing any of you can do about it. She's not winning because she's getting in people's faces and putting them off. She's just outplaying you all. Um, and I, fi- I find it very interesting how the next few months go with that sort of game. You know, how good could she be? Oh, what shot can't she hit? I'm still waiting to find one. You know, just mm. every game she seems to throw in something that you just don't see from other players. And it... I mean, we'll see how she goes on... You know, obviously, got the rest of Miami, but we'll see how she goes on the clay. But you'd think it would be a game that would oh. transfer well to the clay as well. I mean, yeah. beforehand, I mean, I think I think Brad Gilbert said that it, he thinks it might be the best forehand in women's tennis already. And throw in the fact that she can slice and lob and serves decent. I mean, she's got everything. Mm. And she's 18. <laughs> She plays today. She's probably going to lose. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Yeah. Seems to be out of date. Seems to be date tennis news. Um, she play today? I can't remember, but Catherine will look it up. Um, so that's happened. And meanwhile, Naomi Osaka, who obviously is the Grand Slam talking point from a, a women's tennis point of view, um, has lost. She's gone out to Chase away, and she she lost in Contivate. Contivate. Okay. Um, who Contivate beat someone in the last round? Yes, well, that's what tends to happen when <laughs> people go Tomjanovic, through. She beat didn't she? Yes. And then before that, she beat Anisimova. That's what I'm thinking of, yeah. yeah. So, Contivate <laughs> against Andrea Scoot later today. She um, just talked through the draw. <laughs> Asaka <laughs> lost to Shea Suwei, despite being a set and 5-3 ahead. I, I found an absolutely fascinating quote when she was asked, did you underestimate Shea Suwei? Uh, she says, no, I think, if anything, maybe I overestimated myself which I find just a fantastic quote of re- assuming that my own game is so good that it can just handle anything. What a great she self-reflection. She is so incredibly self-aware, mm. isn't she? And I think, yeah, yeah, it's, it, it's incredible. And I don't think it's, I mean, maybe it occasionally creeps into the self-critical, the overly self-critical, but by and large, I think it's just this sort of startling and refreshing level of, self-reflectiveness I mean she could get through that press conference so quickly and easily by saying nothing of the sort yeah. and yet she's prepared to look inwardly and, and give you that what, what, a, what a line um, is anything you've seen from her since Indian Well since the Australian Open victory do, does it concern you at all because I mean we're looking at Alexander Zverev uh, we'll, we'll talk about him a little later and we, we've had a couple of pops at him recently on our tennis podcast Twitter you know just just making a bit of fun of him uh, about the fact that he, he, he isn't delivering now I know he's been unwell he was ill and, and uh, I, I've had a couple of people say leave him alone you know he's not being well he's been injured etc but he's been losing in third and fourth rounds and we've had a pop at him um, is, is it vastly different with Osaka, with Osaka because she's won those slams? Yes. Or do you have some cause for concern? Yeah, of course it's vastly different because he's never been past the quarterfinal of a slam. She's won the last two. It is a world of difference. So why is she losing these things? There has been a lot of upheaval 
I think a I don't ever think she's going to be a relentless every single week dominating player um, that doesn't mean she's not overall the best in the world because that's what world number one reflects doesn't it but it doesn't mean not every world number one is Novak Djokovic I mean that's currently perhaps not actually the best example but let's say Novak Djokovic of, of 2016 not every world number one is like that and I don't think she ever will be um, I'm still not concerned another couple of tournaments maybe I will be I still don't quite know what to expect from her on clay though mm. so I do reserve a little bit of leeway um, for that and I don't know yeah I, I, th- I feel like we, we've we got a lot to learn about her in a lot of respects over the coming weeks but yeah I'm not I'm, no one should be picking any kind of panic button for no me. I'm not concerned at all to be honest um, she, she's had the two the two major things to deal with was the coaching change and the fact that she's dealing with being well number one and the other thing she said in that press conference was, I thought I was dealing with the pressure of being world number one, but maybe I'm not. So she's aware of that. And I think it's quite likely that someone will overtake her as the world number one, possibly even this week with... Could be Kvitova, couldn't it? Could be Kvitova. And so, or Halep. Halep. And we, don't, we maybe don't have high expectations of a circle on the clay. So I, I just think the sort of pressure valve will slightly sort of diffuse a bit and come the US hardcourt swing we'll be looking at her and thinking well you know she's won the last two hardcourt slams and that's really what I'm judging her on at the moment the fact that she's won the last two slams I just I don't see any reason to be concerned also it shows how the dominance of Serena Williams over the years and in the men's game Mm. of Federer Djokovic Nadal our assumption is that there will be multiple slams and dominance everywhere else whereas actually if you look between the years of Serena and Graf Navratilova that that didn't necessarily happen Mm. you know you, you got players who won a few and uh, and it was really competitive. And, and let's be honest, the depth now is unlike anything it's been in a long, long time. It really goes deep now, doesn't it? The amount of players that can play incredibly high-level tennis. And it's one of the reasons that I think with Serena Williams withdrawing from this tournament again, we don't actually know why. I think it was a knee, knee. injury, was it? Yeah. Uh, when I say don't know why, she didn't do a press conference about it. Um, she had ill health uh, in Indian Wells. Virus. Viral. It is yeah. finally starting to come into view the possibility, the talking point of whether she is actually going to break 24 yeah. grand slams. Well, I've just seen on Twitter that Patrick Marchogli's been talking. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Claxon. Really? <laughs> yeah. Surely um, not. He has said that she, her next tournament will be Rome. Okay. Which is a way off. And yeah. the interesting thing is she pulled out That's the day six weeks away her match, didn't she? Mm. So it, was, it wasn't like she's picked up the injury. Yes, she she lost a set to Rebecca Peterson or, or Peterson, as some people are now saying, um, which obviously on paper is a is a pretty startling thing to happen. Um, and then, but she seemed physically not not at her peak. But there didn't seem to be anything specifically ailing her. There was no strapping. She didn't have any medical timeouts. Um, and yeah, the, then the next day the the withdrawal came and. And, and the knee would be a concern because I remember back at the end of 2015 when she lost that match to Vinci at the US Open she didn't play again for the rest of the season 
I remember Patrick Moratoglu saying then that Serena's knee cartilage is practically all gone and she is she is risking a stress fracture. Would we ever know anything about Serena Williams if it, it weren't for Patrick Moratoglu? Thank goodness. He is our window. Good on you, Patrick. Um, so her knee cartilage is... Apparently he, practically it, all gone. I was wow. looking at Patrick Moratoglu's statement from at the end of 2015. Um, so the fact that it's the knee is a bit of a concern and clearly it was bad enough that she thought, oh, I've got no chance of playing the rest of this tournament, hence why she withdrew the day before. So, and she's given herself, what, six, seven weeks before Rome? So She always plays Rome. She loves Rome. Mm. Yeah. She's Did she, ma- she met her husband in Rome? I think that's correct. Just having yeah. a memory. Not she's that I wasn't there. but 23 Grand Slam singles titles. Margaret Court is on 24. She's already overtaken oh, Steffi on 22. to the big question. What do you think? Where does she end up? Right now, right here, given what we know now, that she reached two Grand Slam finals last year, was it two? Uh, mm. The Wimbledon final and the US Open final. Um, and she was beaten by Pliskova in a match that we thought she was going to win here this year. What do you think? I feel a lot dodgier about it than I did, but um, the, the biggest burn I've... Actually, no, it's the other way. I was going to say the biggest burn I've ever had in the tennis podcast is to doubt Serena Williams. But actually, the biggest burn I've ever had in the tennis podcast is to place all of my <laughs> yes. faith in Serena Williams. So, hang on, Matt, you answer. Will I just <laughs> mentally reverse my position? Yeah. Sabina Lazicki, wasn't it? Yeah. Throwing me a hospital pass there. <laughs> yeah. um, the thing is, it's so fluid and changeable isn't it because what on the podcast two weeks ago you were talking about her looking unbelievable against Azarenka yep so I think I do, I do think her tennis is there it's, it's, it's her health that would concern me in fact she's not putting she's just I think outside the slams she's won five matches or something in her comeback but the slams is where she has traditionally peaked so this is a very long winded way of saying I think I think she'll win at least one more is that, is that an acceptable answer? I, I would probably agree. One more if I had to so you think she's put my money on anything So you think she's going to tie the record and that's it? I think, but I think, I mean, if she ties, she'll really want to beat it, won't she? But the thing is, Margaret Court's record, I kind of feel like, does she need to beat that? I mean, if you look at the draws that Margaret Court was playing, I mean, there was like 16 people in the draw Records sometimes. are records, and there will always be that asterisk. Where, that nobody, nobody is, not enough people are going to be saying, yeah, but really the record holder is Serena Williams. Do, because you, think, do you think 24 for her is as, is as important as Steffi Graf's record was for her? I don't know. No. I don't know, but I, I, I don't feel that it is going to be satisfactory to her Ideally, at least. I think if, if she can't win 25, I think she will come to terms with that. She will be at mm. peace with that. She will accept that. But people like us will have this debate. And I think it's really unfortunate if that debate has to be had. Because I think Serena Williams is the greatest player of all time. I just want her to be on 25 slams so that there isn't a discussion. Yeah. No, I agree. I agree. And I also... I also think there's an element of not that she would be the first woman to win a Grand Slam after having children, mm. but I do think that is a significant motivation for her. She has set herself out, established herself as a role model and spokesperson for for working mothers, I suppose. Um, and 
the ultimate example of that would be to to win a Grand Slam. But look, she's already a fa- fantastic example of it. But I, I think that's a significant motivation as well. And yeah, you're right. All of those things for me. The, the the fact that she's doing all of this post motherhood, the fact that she almost died, etc., etc., um, already make her the greatest of all time. But you're right, you know, people look at the bare numbers, don't they? One thousand three hundred and fifty-six oh, people have see. voted, Catherine, in the poll vault. What is the poll vault? She wants to know. There are, those noisy kids are actually leaving the room in protest at this poll vault. I, I wish I'd mentioned that about half an hour ago. Thirty-nine um, percent have said yes, she will do it. Forty-three percent have said no. Is do it twenty-four or twenty-five? Twenty-five. Twenty-five. Eighteen percent think she will tie at twenty-four, and that'll be oh. it. Well, so we're in the minority. More people than not think she won't do it now. What do you think? I think she will do it. You think she'll do 25? I think she'll win 25. I think she's playing so well still. I think she's hitting the ball so cleanly that it will click. The thing is about the prediction that we've both just made, Matt, is that as soon as, let's say she does do 24, suddenly she's odds on to do 25, 25, isn't she? Suddenly she'll be odds on to do 35. (laughs) Um, Suddenly everything changes. Um, So I, I do accept that. But anyway, we've... We've made our case, um, for now, tentatively standing by it. Okay. (laughs) This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, Tennis Podcast listeners. David here. Now, you might know that I love a bit of cooking, and I think I'm quite good at it. But if I'm honest, even I get fed up trying to work out what to do every night. That's where Home Chef comes in. Being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and the cook times, well, that's pretty cool. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering Tennis Podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. 
That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right. <laughs> right. So what about the blokes? Uh, last night we had Novak Djokovic winning through against Federico Del Bonis, who hit a purple match of form <laughs> and made him look like Rod Laver had come back from the 60s. I mean, left-handed, just going for it, hitting winners everywhere. And I just think it shows how incredibly durable Djokovic is and what a what a pro he is that he doesn't panic and he was irritable last night everything was winding him up the winners that his opponent was hitting that he really had no answer to at the time the, he wasn't loving the new US Open last no, night no the he? surroundings wound him up I think and he had one of his moments with a ball kid did he? yeah yeah, um, look, he's not alone in that, but that is a real sign that yeah. he was But he not still happy. won the third set, was it 6-1? 6-1, yeah. yeah. And, and that, this is the thing, at the end of that second set, you, I, I think if you hadn't have had the past eight years' worth of experience with the guy to know that when he's near the top of his game, he just swallows these sets occasionally and comes back and dumps you on your backside, 6-1, which is what he did... I think you might have thought, oh, hello. Well, well, I, I didn't think that because he just, he has this ability to just ride these storms out, doesn't it? It's like for most players, when they've, when they've been taken into a third set, you think, right, now this is the crux of the match coming up. For Djokovic, you think, okay, we've had the good bit of the match and now he's just going to yes. walk through the third set and that's what he did. I must say I'm obsessed with Del Bonis's ball toss. Like, it looks like it's about to go into orbit the way he throws it up so high. And he sort of... I mean, that, that would be enough to distract me if I was playing him. Um, and the way he sort of puts his service arm up in sort of stages, it's like his, it's like his serve, it's got absolutely no rhythm to it and yet he sends it down and because of the lefty angle it's a bit of a weapon but, so. my, uh, my ball toss was pretty nifty last <laughs> week against Solid Simon I was just about to say is it the highest ball toss in tennis and then I looked over the table and saw David Law <laughs> <laughs> oh it's timing it beautifully and I won I won he's, I he's won got in a really wistful look in his eye 11 games to 10 I won it was great 6-3-5-7 um, victory was mine there's so, nothing like a misunderstanding of the tennis scoring system to make our listeners tune out in, in droves. Add them up. Add them up. 11-10. Yeah. Didn't yeah, credibility dissipated by the second. Wasn't, didn't Michael Pernforce, wasn't he once leading Connors at Wimbledon, like 6-1, 6-1, 4-1 and lost? Like, Correct. He must have won more games in that match. and Yeah, moral victory. He didn't go through, David. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but we, I use ATP finals rules. You know, um, we have the count thanks. back on game percentage. Was that so, agreed with Sonny Holzheimer before? He understands <laughs> now um, that that's what we were doing. That's why we left after the second set and not played a tiebreak to decide it. Right. So, uh, yep, it's all, all fine. Um, what have we thought of Roger Federer? He's looked a bit grouchy as well, hasn't yeah. he? Really grouchy. Who was it he played? Albot. Radu Albot. Albot. Yeah, I must lost say, the first set. I thought that was going to be, like bit like really easy for Federer because of the lack of weapons that Albot has but I didn't I didn't quite take into consideration the fact that Albot's been in really good form and in good form in Florida and he, and like, he clearly likes the conditions and he's very tactically canny isn't yeah. he Albot? he beat yeah. Dan Evans didn't he in that final yeah um, and challenger final he was really no Delray Delray Beach mm. was yeah and he was really sort of dogged and he put himself in a position to win the match I mean he was ahead was he, I think, was he serving first in that second set I think so he was kind of ahead in the score um, 
And yeah, I really thought that Federer might be about to go out. Um, yeah, he was properly on the ropes in a way that Djokovic, who lost his set last night, was not. No, indeed, really on the ropes. Um, yeah, I don't think I don't think New Miami suits Roger Federer particularly well. I don't think he likes the grit in the surface. I don't think he likes the change. Um, no. I don't think he thinks it's the new USA. When you get to a certain age, Catherine, <laughs> yeah. change doesn't. Um, and the, yeah, he's he's not hitting the ball. He looks a different player to what he looked in Indian Wells. To me, he's not. He's he's not making. Um, he's not making backhands, but he's missing on the backhand a lot. It's a lot of mistiming. Um, yeah, he's 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 n- not in my list of people that I think might win it. But but it's but it's possible. Really, that's a big statement. I regretted it as it was coming out. <laughs> okay, he's in the list. He's, he's not even in the list. He's on the list. Oh goodness, Matt, wow. say something. I think it's possible that he that he would have like taken quite a lot of information from that first match, and he might have adjusted and be better today. Against, Topped up his canister. Yes, against Krajinovic, he's got... Tough that. Krajinovic beat Stavrinka mm. in the last round. Despite, Did you see I think that was 5-2 up in the uh, yes, tiebreaker. Almost decapi- yeah, there that was almost no Krajinovic to play. Stavrinka <laughs> <laughs> had taken his head off. There was, a, there was a great ATP media tweet which said, Stan Vavrinka is a savage. Yeah. <laughs> because it tried to it tried to put the ball through Krajinovic. Um, was it was it Krajinovic? Mm. Yes. I'm going to do a David Law prediction now and say I think that could be tricky for Federer. Okay. Um, well, you've already said he's not on the list, so he's, <laughs> he's, on, a, look, he's, on he's the listless. List. Federer is um, always on the list. Right. Uh, somebody who isn't minding the surroundings too much is Nick Kyrgios, who, whilst he was initially wistful uh, about the departed. Crandon Park last night he played against poor old Dusan Lajevic who was just his fodder for an hour as he put on a circus act quite honestly and he won 6-3-6-1 but he hit two underarm serves in one set one of them went for an ace an underarm serve ace (laughs) and the low point of Lajevic's career he hit a total totally unnecessary through the leg shot face on followed by a drop shot attempt by Lajovic who just completely brain scrambled at this point decided to get involved with this charade and Kyrgios just lapped it up with a backhand paddled cross court passing shot and then there was a a no look volley winner from Kyrgios and then he had a row with a guy on the front row who got someone forcibly removed from the stadium the spectator called him a four-letter name and questioned his haircut to which Kyrgios said this is what you do on a Sunday night is it you come and sit on the front row to watch tennis and you give me a hard time Uh, and so every time he won a point he started applauding him applauding the the spectator uh, to a point where he got the spectator removed who was flipping him the finger and and Kyrgios waved to him and and said I loved every minute of it (laughs) I mean I did my usual morning routine of waking up and going on the ATP WTA app and checking the scores and thought oh Kyrgios won 6-3, 6-3, 6-1, that was uneventful. Went, then uh, went and opened Twitter and thought, oh, okay, this was, this was a, the most <laughs> eventful 6-3, 6-1 ever. Suddenly highlights reel of underarm serves. Yeah. Yeah. Um, only Kyrgios could make a 6-3, 6-1 that eventful. 
Kyrgios has now got uh, Borna Chorich. Winner to play, Nicholas Basilashvili or Felix Auger Aliassim, who is starting to motor. Beat Hercatch, didn't he, in the last round? That was which the best I was impressed match. by Hercatch in Indian Wells. Mm. And um, I know Daniela Hantakova was particularly impressed with Hercatch as well. Um, and yeah, that I mean. It, Okay, it's not quite Andreescu levels, but he's backing it up. He's backing up the Indian Wells breakthrough already. I'm impressed with her catch because he he hits the ball with his eyes closed. Yeah. I mean, how's he doing that? It is amazing. I I asked Greg and Daniela about that. No, he actually does. Yeah, there's a lot of photographic evidence. I asked Daniela and Greg about that in the studio, and they were quite dismissive of it, Um, which which I thought was a bit unfair to (laughs) Huey Hercatch. I, th- I thought he was performing a feat that no man had yeah. ever done before. So now what you need to do, you need to get Greg to do a feature where he tries to hit the ball design. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I, I want to see this. <gasps> and the other good win Orgelli and Simi had was over Martin Fuchskovic. Yes. Which is, which just is a really grown-up win because he's so sort of physically strong um, to beat him in three sets is a really good sign I'd have thought for Aliasim agreed um, agreed I would pick Kyrgios um, for, um, here I am falling into all the traps uh, Kyrgios is higher on my list than Federer oh my word oh my un- unsolicited prediction that is very interesting I, I think I might agree uh, do you know what I think they're going to meet in the final Kyrgios and Federer yeah I think Federer is going to the final yeah why not um, it was it was in Miami. I mean, obviously different Miami. But it was in Miami that they had their the last match. absolute, probably the best three-set match I can ever remember seeing. Which in Kyrgios tennis. has been tweeting about a lot. Happy memories. But I, I think the He's, thing is... Does he smell blood when he plays that guy? <laughs> Syringe emoji. The, the, the thing with um, Kyrgios is this ability to play at an obscene level without any form whatsoever coming in as long as he's just happy and as long as he's feeling physically okay he doesn't need to be I mean, that we, feeling physically okay thing is such a big if though isn't it because you well, know that he doesn't have the the physical grounding and work there to he, he could just something could fall apart at any minute but it reminds me of Andre Agassi winning Wimbledon out of nowhere in 1992 in that he, he had no grass court preparation he didn't even play an event on grass before it won Wimbledon and he could turn up at a tournament and win it with no matches at all whereas Jim Currier would need to have played half a dozen tournaments and we've seen Alexander Zverev last night go out to David Ferrer and actually say I'm somebody who needs a lot of matches and there's a real real really big difference there Zverev's had the illness he's been unwell he's lost some weight as a result of it he's not had any matches and the result is he's not playing very well at all and he's been by David Freire who's about to retire and who's about 48 well and Zverev when they played in Acapulco Zverev handed him a gift for his retirement at a big ceremony (laughs) and now they've gone and played in Miami and Freire's saying hang on a minute I'm still here I haven't gone and beaten him can I have my gift back (laughs) um yeah, I mean, Zverev's in a vicious circle. He's in a catch-22 situation. He needs matches, but you have to win matches to get matches. So We're not worried he's, about he's, him, though, are we? I'm a little bit worried about him, yeah. I think my worry with Zverev is he doesn't win when he plays badly. Like We're talking about Federer and Djokovic not being at their best, but they've managed to get the wins. Like 
it's, it's Zverev's not playing well. He gets like he, the match against Freya turned into a, just a baseline rally, and you know, Freya even at 37 is going to win a lot of those. And he didn't do anything different really. There was there was no spark, and he wasn't figuring it out. Which you always get the sense that certainly Federer is looking for ways to win, and when he's not at his best, I don't don't see that yet with Zverev and that's what's happened to him in the slams I think as much as anything he's not played well and not managed to squeak through those early rounds and and yes he has been ill I know that and I, I know I know how dreadfully awful man flu can be um, yeah, we all know how awful man flu can be yeah. and he, genuinely having a cold can be absolutely debilitating and miserable I know that um, but equally and I said this, and I put it to Daniela and Greg quite a few times on the prime coverage of Indian Wells. How many times would Murray, Djokovic, Federer, Nadal, plenty of others too, have played with a cold man flu and we just wouldn't have known about it? They might have won, they might have lost. I'm sure both have happened lots of times, but we didn't know about it because, you know, they're professional, they, they don't... They, they don't Want they neither want to nor think it's appropriate to. Isn't it to talk nice about though, it that he's happy to just tell you how it is? I've got the flu, or I don't feel very well. I felt rubbish, so you know that's why I was rubbish. But he's but he's but he's doing it when he's lost. So it makes it sounds like an excuse in a way. I love how candid he is in the press conferences. I love it because it mm. gives us something to talk about. But part of that talking, I think it's okay to be criticising. You know, he mm. he he does an awful lot of whinging. And he does do the whinging when he's winning as well. Mm. You know, we were just saying, Matt, that, you know, at the end of last year when he had his biggest win ever at the O2, he still spent most of that week talking about how knackered he was and how the season was too long. And that was while he was winning yeah. his biggest title to date. So, And he was the youngest bloke there who should have been able to deal with it best. I mean, yeah, I'd rather he said sort of slightly annoying things than said nothing of interest at all because that gives mm. us something to talk about. But Asked I still his- do think some of it is a bit annoying Roger Federer asked in his press conference if he was maybe about to manage Alexander Zverev or teammate were about to get his uh, his company his uh, his business and Federer basically wouldn't be drawn at, on no it at comment. all yeah. do you know I only got the pun of teammate yesterday I've only just got it about four seconds ago right <laughs> It's because the emphasis is put on the wrong... I guess it's teammate. Yeah. Teammate. So there but we are. D- yes. It doesn't... It, it, like, 99% works, doesn't it? But it I've only been does, hearing people say it for four years, and I've got yeah. it about four seconds ago when Catherine's just said it, and the look in her eye. So there we are. I had it. <laughs> All right. 22-year-old, whatever you are. Carl uh, Edmund's playing well. He is. Yeah. Flamin' heck. Who did he beat yesterday? Milos Raonic. Crikey. Straight sets. Really, I think that's a really good win. I mean, Raonic does play better in Indian Wells than Miami, doesn't mm. he? Indian Wells really suits him. And he did have a bit of a back issue, but Edmund just took care of him. Like, yep. John Isner, next defending champion. I, I think Edmund's going to win. Had anyone else forgotten that John Isner was the defending champion? I certainly forgot that Sloane Stevens was the defending champion when she was losing to Tatiana Maria last night. That was a yeah. surprise. Um, Crikey, it's all happening. It's 1-1 one, one there, head-to-head Edmund and Isner, I think. And Edmund got him at the US Open once. So yeah. Good test of his returning. Mm. And Raonic is a good, good and, preparation. And also a good test of your... Um, 
with how much tough you are because you know you're only getting a couple of chances per set and you need to be sharp for them Ronich is a good prep though for it it's going to be interesting um, so I think that just about covers things we have just presented Matt with a Fulham FC football shirt his uh, his beloved Fulham FC a signed a shirt. huge thank you to our listener and Kickstarter backer Mark Forbes who's Southampton's kit man and uh, that's now the full set he's given me a West Bromwich Albion one he's given Catherine a Reading one and here's Matt now his yeah. face lighting up here thank in this little Mark. coffee shop really I appreciate it I, so much I saw well we both saw Matt complete the uh, the career grand slam at the Australian Open <laughs> this January and that was that you looked pretty chuffed about that but the, today is as chuffed as I've ever seen Grad Matt he hasn't put it down since I've given it to him yeah yes. you, you were Fulham's, clutching it like Fulham's relegation of... shirt immortalised <laughs> <laughs> yeah we don't have a very good record at relegation on this table do we Reading have barely uh, won, a, won a game since I got no. my shirt should we talk about something it's else it's not your fault Let's Mark. Talk about I'm very grateful but that just about sums it up for another edition of the Tennis Podcast, brought to you in association with The Telegraph and executive produced by TennisBalls.com with our mascot, Rio, with a Y. Catherine, you'll be back with us next week after a week in the studio presenting uh, live tennis uh, from Miami. Matt will be watching it diligently throughout the week as well. We're making plans for the rest of the year, all your podcasts. We're going to be back every single week. We're going to be daily at the Slams. We're going to do as many shows as we possibly can. We hope you're enjoying us bringing them to you. Make sure you leave us a review on iTunes if you haven't already, please. And also, tell everybody you know. Tweet about us. uh, Retweet us. Do whatever you want to let people know about the Tennis Podcast. Everyone that's interested in car park prices at tennis events the world over, let them know that this is this is the outlet for them absolutely I'm never going to live that down this is the listening experience that they've been waiting for this is must listen material folks and we'll see you next week cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue also you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states United Healthcare short term insurance plans underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company offer flexible budget friendly coverage for you learn more at UH1.com mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market they're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show stopping flowers and irresistible desserts start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime round out mom's menu with festive rosé irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market